This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First of all, when lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. From the Pink Seats Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome into episode 16 of From the Pink Seats. We are your hosts. I'm Jacob Lane, joined by Matt McGavick on a beautiful, hot day, steamy day in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt, it, it's been a, just about a week or so since we last talked um, when we had Gunner Brewer on the podcast last week. If you haven't listened to that, make sure that you go and find that wherever your podcasts are at uh, from the Pink Seats podcast, State of Louisville podcast network. But there's been, for the first time since we've really started this podcast, Matt, there's been a pretty consistent flow of Louisville football news the last week and a half or so. Don't you, wouldn't you say so? Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, there's always some sort of news going on in the offseason, whether that's recruiting or transfer portal news or coach availability. But it seems like in the last week we've had a little bit more than normal. I mean, uh, as you know, the recruiting dead period ended. So a whole influx of either local and state talent have come into Louisville the last couple of days. Uh, and there's been some transfer portal news, both uh, leaving uh, and joining. So yeah, and it's a good combination of all of it from recruiting, like you said, recruiting the transfer portal, uh, some real you know news coming from the season that a game one that will impact Louisville, which we're going to get to that as we, we debut our new segment, the big three, where we just kind of dive into some headlines that are out there with Louisville football. But before we do all of that, let's let's do a little bit of housekeeping, get this stuff out of the way. A couple of things to to keep in mind and just to watch for over the couple the next couple of weeks. One, uh, Two weeks from now, we will be having a, uh, a, a show that I'm really excited for with our friends from Louisville Sports Live. Ethan Moore and Taylor Lynch have been uh, courteous enough of their time to join us for a, a full preview 2021. So mark your calendars for that. We are really excited about that. Uh, we teased it in the past, but we've got a great giveaway coming up soon. Uh, we're going to give away a, a really cool piece of art. Some of you may have seen it on our, our social media, uh, but be be sure to follow us on social media. Be sure to follow at Made by Jay Lane uh, as we get closer to giving away this really cool piece of, of artwork uh, celebrating global football. And Matt, we've got another couple of, of interesting things that we're going to give away, including... You know, you're familiar with Cameo? You ever have a Cameo video? I, I mean, I'm not famous enough to produce a Cameo, but I am familiar with it. How much, if you put cam- yourself on Cameo today, how much realistically do you think that you could 
make off of that? You think you'd make any money? You think people care enough to get messages from Matt McGavick? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm not going to give away too much more. It's not a cameo from Matt McGavick, but we will be d- doing something pretty cool with cameo that we're excited about, as well as some other things. So be sure to follow us for that. All right, that's out of the way. Let's let's talk about Louisville football and start our, our segment here, the Big Three. Big, 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 big three. three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. First off, headline number one, Matt. This is straight from Matt McGavick. You can. This is straight from my website at Louisville Report. You can find it at si.com slash college slash Louisville, or you can find it on social media at Louisville on SI, both on Twitter and Facebook. Or if you feel like following my my personal Twitter and see all the other random tweets I provide, you can follow me at General Wasp. But kind of leading into what Jacob said, the first headline we have over the uh, the big three uh, is a little bit of a surprise. Um, maybe not a complete surprise, but still shocking nonetheless. Uh, safety, Lovey Jenkins, who we presumed could be the starting safety at strong safety next season, uh, announced that he was entering the transfer portal. Yeah, absolutely surprising news. This caught me by surprise. I actually got a text from a buddy that said, Lovey Jenkins is gone, question mark. And to be quite honest with you, and not, I don't really want to dive into to legal issues because neither one of us are uh, anywhere close to equipped to be able to do that. Uh, but I thought initially that this had something to do with the legal issues. It doesn't seem to be that way. Uh, Levy Jenkins put out a statement yesterday where he referenced he's kind of uh, ready to embark on a new path outside of his buddy Dexter Rents, who obviously was uh, murdered last year and, and gone way too soon. But um, it, it is a little bit of a surprise that that he's leaving with the with the recent addition of Quintario Cole out of Alcorn State. Um, I think it, it makes me kind of raise the question of, uh, you know, was Levy afraid of competition or was it, you know, that he, he already kind of initially thought with a senior coming in that maybe his playing time, he kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, so it's a little bit of a, an interesting thing here, Matt, do you, do you have any kind of thoughts or reaction as to whether this is, you know, dealing with legal issues, maybe trying to get a, a fresh start uh, or if this is something to where he just kind of saw that he wasn't going to have much playing time. So before I say what I'm going to say, I'm just going to put it out there that even though I am the quote unquote soft shade journalist, I don't have any inside information into this particular situation. I'm purely speculating. Uh, this is all just my educated guess on, on the situation from an outsider's perspective. Uh, but b- based on the timing of everything, I am I'm partially privy to believe that it had something to do with the legal issues because Scott Satterfield said, uh, what was it? Two, three months ago, like just, just out, put it out there to the media. Hey, out of, we're still looking in the transfer portal and here's X, Y, and Z positions. Very first position he named was safety. That was it. Uh, Of course he named defensive tackle. He said he might look at uh, receiver and maybe another quarterback, but safety was the very first position that he named. And he, he mentioned how young they were, how they do have some, some, some solid up and comers. They're still extremely young. They're going to take some time to develop. So if, 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 if it, it came, if it came down to Lovey being potentially scared of competition, he, I would think that he would have transferred not long after those comments were made and nothing against Quintero Cole, because based on the film that I watched of him, he's, he's very good, but 
he's coming from Alcorn State, which is different from Kenderick Duncan, who is coming from Georgia Southern. It's different coming from the FBS level and coming from the FCS level. Sure. Now we'll, we'll see how it translates for uh, for Cole. Obviously, we've we've heard the coaching staff speak high praise about Duncan, kind of compare like what his transition is to what uh, Kytro Clark experienced past season. We know what happened there, but we're, we're, it, it remains to be seen if Cole is going to have this, the same type of luck. But I would, I would think that out of the two transfer safeties that Louisville brought in, I would think that Ken Derrick is, is the, the, the better of the two, just, just off the offhand. So I, I don't think it had to do necessarily with Cole coming in because I, I, I would have still probably penciled in Lovey to be the starter just because he's, he's got more experience with the program. Yeah, sure. Cole's Cole's I think would be a redshirt senior at this point or senior. I get confused with what the actual year is with all the free COVID year and whatnot, but uh, would there have been a competition in strong safety? Yes. But I, at this moment, I mean, granted, I wasn't at another one was when was actually at spring ball to actually get to see how Lovey was doing. So it, it's kind of hard to make that determination now, but just at this point, I would have said, still said Lovey would probably be the starter, but Cole would probably get his fair share of reps too. I, I think, again, I'm saying this and I have no inside information of what's going on. I think what probably happened was that because when, when uh, Jenkins was originally arrested and then subsequently let go because he had no priors, he was suspended from team activities. And since then, we we never heard that he was reinstated. I, I he could have been, and it kind of flew under everyone's radar. But I certainly never heard that he was reinstated from team activities. So I think this might have been an opportunity given by uh, Scott Satterfield to sell, tell him, "Hey, this is your chance to explore other opportunities, and we're just going to let you use it under under this guys." Again, I have no idea if that's what actually happened. I could be dead wrong, but that's just based on everything that I've seen transpire. I think that's what happened. Yeah, and, and you definitely you, you hit a really good point there when you said that Scott Satterfield even mentioned safety with uh, Lovey Jenkins in the fold. So now you have to wonder if maybe they go back out and use another one of those scholarships on a safety once again. I'm not sure what out, what what's out there in the portal, but uh, Louisville does have some guys behind, uh, you know, left behind at the safety position. You mentioned Duncan. Uh, obviously, Josh Minkins is still here. TJ Quinn, um, Ben Perry, Braylon Oliver. These guys were all here for spring ball. That's a huge uh, – uh, that, that puts Louisville in a good spot. Uh, with this move here so all right headline number two this is straight from Matthew McGavick several local prospects to visit Louisville Matt you mentioned the dead period is officially over it feels like it's been almost two years I'm not exactly sure when the start date was but it's been a long time since athletes have been able to visit college campuses Um, you've heard Chris Mack in the media talk about this week that a lot of these guys uh, have either had to pay their own way to get to Louisville and that they couldn't get meet with them when they visited the campus you know the incoming signing guys uh, or he just flat out they haven't been to campus and he hasn't met them so this is a really interesting time in college uh, recruiting both football and basketball but Louisville already has got several big names on campus they'll be next week they'll be starting to welcome in more of these uh, official visitors which we'll get to here in a second Uh, but but just off of the bat yesterday we saw a social media post from uh, Jadarian Smith who is a three-star running or uh, linebacker defensive end out of Ballard we saw tweets from Micah Carter at St. X who's already got offers in the class of 2023 Arizona State BC Kentucky Louisville Uh, so a a big name guy here locally in their backyard Uh, Jay Sean Monroe who's got Monroe's got the best nickname 
fucking shiz like that that with the <laughs> you're familiar with the shiz that's incredible um for male and i'm guessing this is his brother jeremiah monroe a defensive back out of male so these are two 2022 guys who are uh, not really on the radar right now in terms of you know targets but these are still it's great to cultivate these relationships here locally they missed a full cycle of being able to get guys on campus big deal or no uh, or not a big deal that they're getting so many local guys already on campus as soon as things lift I think it's tremendous. And I, I know we're going into year three and it's, it's not exactly news that, that Louisville in Satterfield is getting a bunch of local guys into the mix, but it's considering what the former head coach did with the program. It is so refreshing to see in not even in, in the first week, in the first couple of days that the dead period lifted Satterfield's looking at all the top guys in this, in the Jefferson County and saying, Hey, Come on down. That's it's it's so great because for years on in under Petrino 2.0, Louisville had their fair share of talent. Petrino didn't do anything to recruit them, didn't even give them a, a courtesy call or anything. So just to see a full 180 and see Satterfield off the bat, like all fresh off of the dead period getting lifted. He invites Shadarian Smith. He invites Michael Carter. He invites uh, Shiz Monroe. He invites Salem Brown. He invites all these uh, local prospects, top top tier local prospects to take unofficial visits, knowing that here, this is their, our opportunity to give really early, good first impressions. It may not be quote unquote first impressions because I'm sure some of these guys have been in contact with the staff for a while, but considering they're using the first like day or two that the dead period is getting lifted to, to uh, woo these local guys. I love it. Love the move. Yeah, it's a it's a great sign, and uh, you you mentioned Bobby Petrino in in past uh, instances of not recruiting local guys. I remember reading uh, on KSR Courier Journal back when uh, Rondell Moore, Stefan um, Heron, I think is how you pronounce his last name, who plays at Stanford now. A couple of these other guys who went out of uh, Louisville to play college ball. They talked about how they you know were at these camps and they went and attended these events and didn't even get a sniff from Bobby Petrino or they weren't invited to these these types of deals. So to see Louisville using the first couple of days to really focus on the local talent, you love to see it. All right, final headline here, Matt. I had to go to KSR for this one, um, so I apologize. Uh, step your game up a little bit here. We need you covering everything. Uh, but Ole Miss linebacker Jaquez Jones enters transfer portal. Saw this over the weekend um, on vacation. Uh, leading tackler, I believe, last year at Ole Miss, or one of them was slated to be one of a, a couple of handful of guys returning and kind of helping to shore up what was a really bad defense last year. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? You're more uh, in tune with where teams are as we kind of enter the season with the coverage that you're in. Is this is this one of those things where they've got nine guys waiting in the wings here and we won't even remember that this, that this cat transferred, or is this a big deal for Louisville and something they could take advantage of? I'm not going to say it's not a big deal because obviously if you're, you lead the team in tackles, you're, you're talented, but I'm sure he, he led the team in tackles and Ole Miss still had an abysmal defense and it's only going to get worse with him entering the transfer portal. Now that's not to insult him because obviously he's, he's a, he's a top talent, but this is only going to make this game even more of a shootout than it already was going to be. Yeah, this is interesting just because of the timing. I mean, I, I guess the in college football, it's a little bit different than in basketball. The portal um, in college football has been a pretty steady stream, but you would expect it by now to stop considering we're getting to the date where kids have to be enrolled. They're in summer school. There's workouts. You know, we've, we've seen here locally that kids are on campus for the first time. Uh, but when you're talking I mean, you, about – You could say the same thing for Nick Melito. I mean, he – you he only just entered the transfer portal what a couple weeks ago, and 
if he knew that he wasn't going to get like a huge role in the offense after spring practice, you would think he would have entered in the transfer portal then instead of waiting a couple months after. Very much true. And that's a good point. Nick Melito is another one of those guys that's transferred. Louisville's had 13 um, by my count this offseason, um, which seems high, but it's it, it's just the way of roster turnover in college sports these days. I see so many fans still like, man, what's up with Louisville and all these guys leaving? What's it mean? I'm like, absolutely nothing. They probably just want to go somewhere else. Have you seen other teams? Right, exactly. But uh, the timing of this as we get kind of closer just seems a little bit strange to me. He's obviously far more uh, high-profiled of a player than Nick Melito in this instance. But um, I've seen tweets about him potentially ending up at another SEC school. I saw just yesterday the SEC announced that intra-conference transfers will be allowed to play immediately. So I imagine that's probably got something to do with it. Um, and in his mind, if he can be the, the leading tackler at Ole Miss, maybe he can go and be the third leading tackler at Alabama. And those guys, you know, maybe they're seeing a different light when the draft time rolls. Uh, I, I like Louisville's offense in this game against uh, Ole Miss. And the thing that I'm going to be interested in, and we're not talking about this now, but if Louisville's offense is even just a step better than last year. And uh, or, excuse me, their defense, if they're just even a little bit better and they can kind of control this game a little bit. I don't know, man. Maybe Louisville can win. I've always thought Louisville was a, a an L here, but uh, maybe they I th- can. I think if I know, I don't not to get too far into a preview of this game or rehashing on stuff we've already talked about. But I think even if the turnover margin was zero, Louisville's an eight win team based on what we saw last year. And David Hale from ESPN agrees with you. If you've seen him over the last couple of days on Twitter, he's really been hyping that over um, for Louisville on the win total which speaking of which let's go to our final headline here this is from athlon athen how do you say that i feel like i spelled it wrong i feel that you missed you you missed an l yeah i definitely spelled that wrong here and second guess myself you could tell the confidence breaking news jacob blaine takes no l's (laughs) that's a good one my confidence slowly leaked out there on that one um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from from Athlon, uh, DraftKings officially releases their over-under on the year. Louisville sits at seven in DraftKings. I've seen other places six and a half. Thoughts on the on the over-under there um, without going too much into your season prediction, which I, of course, would think a journalist actually wants to save. Gosh, because when I first made my season or way too early season projections in, what, February, I believe it was, I, I had it at six and six as I've started to see how other teams are going about spring practices and what transfer portal uh, additions teams are utilizing and who's leaving via the portal on those teams, I'm starting to think that Louisville could potentially get to that seven win mark, but But they could, there's a couple of games early in their season where if they're not careful, they could get embarrassed. You know, if they're, if we haven't seen, if we don't see as much improvement in the turnover ability and, and you know uh, those those sorts of things then yeah that, that's kind of scary for me you know I I see um I've seen a lot more confidence lately in Louisville like I said I mentioned David Hills uh on on social media last week kind of talking about some of the turnover stats that you know we 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 didn't get that that granular but we talked about the turnovers in bad cases we counted the interceptions that were deflected we saw that a lot of that stuff was fluky and and we said at the time if it was a little bit more like 2019 and the balls bounced their way a little bit more, maybe that's a, a different season. Maybe it's a six and five year or, a, a, you know, a, whatever the case is, even a five and six type of season and you get a bowl game and it's a little bit different. The narrative is different going into year three. But this year, you assume you have a senior quarterback in Malik Cunningham. You've got an experienced offensive line man, that they can they can run the football. You think that Louisville is going to be um, at least one win better. Right. And then 
maybe two. And then you add in the fact that this defense returns a ton of talent. They bring in a couple of really nice transfers who are, you know, are under the radar uh, type of, you know, Trey Clark guys like last year. And it's a different story. I mean, maybe you get to eight wins, seven wins, you know, it's a, it's a toss up in some of these bigger games, like an old miss. I, I happen to think that I'm not saying that Louisville's going to beat Clemson, but I happen to think that Clemson is a little bit more susceptible to falling this year. So the ACC is just in a, in an open state right now. And I think that with a focused off season, Louisville could be at a, at eight wins, maybe even nine, you know, just depending on how things kind of play out, who steps in. That's, that's a bit risky there. I'm not willing to go that far, yeah. uh, but I think, I think six is a good number. Does that make Louisville fans happy? No, probably not. You probably need to add a seventh win in there for Louisville fans to feel comfortable. I mean, it's a realistic fans. number in that it the is. end of the day. I mean. It is. And I think anything below that, then you're talking about a disappointing type of season. So, um, all right, let's move into our, the next part of the show. Um, we, we've kind of, teased recruiting in the past we talk a little bit about Popeye Williams obviously we had John Garcia on from Sports Illustrated a few weeks ago but Matt we have really not kind of shared our opinions on what what we've seen so far with the 2022 class we've not really talked in depth about recruiting and I don't want to go too in the weeds here because I don't think that that many fans care that much I think the little fans want to know and be in the know who the guys are who the names are who to watch, but I don't think Louisville fans care enough to get into the the game tape and to uh, the masses, at least get into the nitty gritty of recruiting. So I want to keep this kind of high level here, but we talked about big visitors in, in June. You wrote about that. Uh, you've mm-hmm. been all over that on, uh, on sports illustrated uh, for the Louisville uh, report there. You've been, you've been killing it. Right. Uh, so we know now that they've got o- o- over 20, are there at 20 visitors slated um, in the month of June. They've got, like we mentioned countless others on, uh unofficial visits in, in that capacity right uh, they've got five guys that will be on campus in june who are top 500 players right so that's right really really high level three-star players and four-star players right that's who makes up that group they've got eight guys in the top 600 right so you add in a couple more three-star guys who are probably considered high impact players um, and then you've got three four stars who will be on campus in june and louisville i think to my knowledge has only landed two four stars is that correct in the time here three two or three first month of recruiting being back you've got three guys on campus right so right. Uh, just to kind of list some of these players again there are other outlets including mats where you can go and get the official list this is not the place where we're going to go through the entire list here but just to kind of high level it you've got guys like christian miller who's a four-star defensive lineman stone blanton who's a four-star linebacker trey donaldson who is a four-star safety defensive back uh, you've got Patrick uh, Kutas. You've got a couple of offensive linemen, um, a couple of defensive linemen, uh, some under-the-radar players, um, uh, some athletes, some guys who are just truly specialists who maybe haven't gotten the chance to kind of show what they can do. You've got Selah Brown, who's the, the kid from Mail. So there, there's a really big number of, of recruits that are going to be on campus. In your opinion, which we're going to we're gonna dive into releasing our, our top five guys, the guys that we think are the, the cream of the crop, but in your opinion, who's the most important player or even what's the most important part of June for Louisville? I just think they just have to build on this momentum and just keep going, keep inviting more local prospects, keep inviting other prospects to take official visits, yada, yada, yada. Host more camps if you have to. Just don't stay stagnant. Now, I don't think they're going to be stagnant in the slightest because they've had, what, 15 months to prepare for when the recruiting dead period gets lifted. So I'm sure they've got plans upon plans upon plans of what they're going to do. But you just have to continue to invite everyone you can go out and scout everyone you can because you never know you you might find a diamond in the rough you might come across someone that not a lot of people are scouting but 
You look at him, he could potentially fit your program, your mold, what have you, and maybe strike gold there. Now, shifting into who who are some players that I think are important as of right now, based on the knowledge that we have on who Louisville is recruiting. I'm going to go just briefly going from five to number one. It's time for the recruiting stuff nobody asked for. It's the From the Pink Seats Recruiting Big Board. Number five, I'm going to go with uh, Marquarius White, a.k.a. Squirrel. He's a wide receiver. He was someone that uh, we were talking about with John Garcia when we were uh, chatting with him. He's actually a teammate of current Louisville commit quarterback Kaleeb Johnson. So I think maybe having Kaleeb there as his, I guess, partial recruiters is going to give Louisville an inside track there. But he kind of – White kind of fits the mold of some of those 2-2 Atwell-type receivers, which – you know, Louisville has had success with those type of receivers under Scott Satterfield. So I think in order to have some sort of offensive continuity, he's going to help bridge that gap between Atwell and whoever else decides to, you know, step up with the top receiving options going on. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with Jordan Allen, the defensive back slash safety. Um, Satterfield has said that since he came on, there are a couple of possession groups where they just continually have to build depth, build depth, build depth. One was offensive line. The other was the secondary, especially now considering how young the safety group is. Now, th- this isn't going to be – this is actually going to be Louisville's strength heading into next season, continue, considering all these freshmen are going to add a year onto their belt, obviously, and be a lot more experienced. But for the time being, we don't know who's going to pan out. We don't know who's going to potentially enter the transfer portal. So as of right now, they've got good starter depth, but beyond there, it's still unproven depth. So bringing in, continuing to bring in more high-quality secondary prospects is paramount for them. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with Stone Blanton, the linebacker. Now, Louisville's got a pair of really good, solid linebackers right now, C.J. Avery and Monty Montgomery. Uh, but beyond then, Louisville doesn't have a bunch of uh, inside linebacker types. Uh, just pulling up their depth chart now not even their depth chart, just the amount of linebackers they have on the roster at the inside linebacker position. They've got C.J. Avery, Monty Montgomery, K.J. Cloyd, Dorian Jones, and Jalen Alderman. That's it, just five guys. So they're going to need to bring in it. I believe they need to bring in at least one more inside linebacker just to kind of build the room and flesh it out. Number two, I'm going to go with Christian Miller, the defensive tackle. We've talked about plenty over the last couple episodes of how relatively thin, not, not inexperienced per se, but – there's not a ton of talent that just jumps out on the page on the D line, at least right now, especially at the nose tackle position and bringing in a massive guy like Miller, that would start to kind of solve those problems and those woes in the middle of the D line. And I know you've got this guy on your list. I've, you've got him in a different spot, but I think number one, Sayla Brown, the defensive end out of mail, not only is he a good talent, he's versatile. He can play on the end. He plays a little bit of de- uh, defensive tackle, He's generally regarded as an athlete because he plays a whole bunch of other positions. But the reason I have him in number one is not just because of the talent, because landing him will set the precedent for the remainder of Scott Satterfield's tenure as it pertains to recruiting in the city of Louisville. If you get him, it's going to cause a snowball effect potentially and have other other kids in the city of Louisville think, look at this and say, hey, he he joined Louisville. What, what about if we just stayed home? In my eyes, this is the number one, the should be the number one target for Louisville. Satterfield absolutely cannot allow him to leave the city, period. Because one, they need to have a good standing locally. Two, he's, he's a good player. He's a borderline top 300 a player in the, in the nation in the class of 22. So 
he, he's got to land him. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that uh, there's been a couple of really, really good players in the class, obviously, or in the last couple of years that they've missed on that you could say, you know, yeah, they should have landed them. But I don't think that there's been kind of that swing guy yet who, you know, really has the potential to unlock the rest of the city. And not saying that that that's I don't want to make this some kind of savior complex here, but, um, you know, Selah is at a position of need where he could come in and probably compete right away. Um, he's in their backyard. This is kind of the case study of how you get this right. And then this is how you replicate it moving forward. So I do agree there's some importance there. And that's a perfect segue into my board now. Uh, at five, I'm a little bit lower in terms of the the top target per se here. But I think that if you take away the, the local ties, he's still an, an extremely important recruit, but he's not the guy just because of some of the depth that's at that position. But number five, I've got Selah Brown out of mail. He's got offers from a couple of big schools that are starting to come in, Northwestern Illinois, uh, BC. There's more coming. I think this is a really important recruit for Louisville to land. I, I think the sooner the better. This is one I want, I want to see soon. Like if you're not going to get this done now, you're got you're opening the floodgates of what could go wrong down the road, right? Yep. I think if you got you got to nail this, Russ. We're talking about this turning into potentially Quentin Snyder type deal, sneaking out of the city of Louisville. Obviously, that resulted in him coming back on the basketball side after a decommitment. But whatever. Point being, got to they got to nail this. Number four, Stone Blanton. You talked about him uh, being an important piece. I think he. There's an argument to be made here that he is the most important piece because you talked about position of need. There's not anybody right now that will be playing inside linebacker at Louisville that has true experience, you know, outside of obviously the the obvious with Avery and Montgomery, right? Dorian Jones has been injured. Cloyd was a freshman who came on campus early last year because Juco's couldn't play. So not necessarily uh, – and Jalen Alderman was a, an out-of-nowhere guy when he did commit. So there's not really any sure thing, right? So landing a guy like Stone Blanton, who's a top 250 guy, he's got offers from South Carolina, Stanford, Mississippi State, a, a hell of a lot of other schools. This is a kid that, again, case study. You, you tell him, hey, man, like this, there's a, there's a pathway to you coming right in and playing right away. And what kid wouldn't want to do that if the, the program is being sold correctly as a top ACC school? Number three, I've got Jalen Glover at the running back position. I think that Jalen Mitchell is going to be really good this year. I think you'll see Trevion Cooley get an opportunity. Um, obviously, Maurice Berkeley and Hassan Hall won't be here much longer. Um, I'm not sure if Aiden Robbins is really in the long-term plans. We've not seen him much. So, in my opinion, the running back position is still one that they need to get a guy uh, in here, even more so than wide receiver, where you had Squirrel White. I kind of see Jalen Glover as being that that can't-miss offensive prospect. He's he's a, a lot like like JV and Hawkins and that he's undersized five foot seven, I think like 160 pounds, but he's got offers from Florida state, Georgia tech, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah. Um, he's a high st- high rated three-star guy. I think that he could be a perfect complement to, to Trevion Cooley moving forward. Number two, I've got Trey Donaldson um, who's a defensive back safety out of Tallahassee, Florida to go into Tallahassee, Matt, and steal a kid <laughs> of this caliber I, I think the recruiting narrative on Satterfield flips immediately if he does that. You're talking about a kid who is in Florida State's backyard. Think about us growing up. How many kids truly got out of the state of Florida who are those top five, four-star kids um, that were this kind of player, right? Not not a lot. You went not, to FSU. You went to Miami. You went to Florida. Right, and all three of those programs are um, in the fold here for him, including Alabama, including Auburn, including Ole Miss. This is a kid who um, could be a five-star prospect when it's all said and done. He is extremely talented, and he is going to be on campus this month. 
Louisville has got a real, real interesting case at, at getting him. And again, the 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 recruiting um, kind of pipeline that you can unlock getting a kid like this is a game changer for you taking that step and putting yourself ahead of Florida State. I know it's just one kid, Matt, but that still the message is sent. We can come and get anybody out of your backyard. Not to mention that he's a uh, two-sport guy and plays basketball at a very high level, too. And he said that where he wants to go, he wants to play basketball as well. And so, I mean, he football would be his primary sport. But he said, I believe I read somewhere that once football is over, he'd be a walk-on. As a walk-on? Right. It's a game-changer for will a take guy that. like Chris Mack. Right. You talk about a program, uh, not to get into too much basketball here. Um, and I had not heard that. So that's extremely interesting. That's I, I read it. So it's known that he's a two, he's a two-way okay. player. He's right. going well, to play if, look, if, okay. So if it's official that he would be in a walk-on capacity at Louisville, Scott Satterfield and Chris Mack got to go together, get this kid. Don't let him go anywhere else. You're talking about putting a kid on a basketball team who's a four-star player. My God, man. Sign me up. All right. Number one. <laughs> Christian Miller, defensive tackle out of Georgia, being pursued by Ohio State, USC, Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn. All of the big-time programs are after this kid. I've said the word case study a lot here, but this is another one of those players, man. Defensive tackle, Jaquest Turner, will be will be gone after this season, the transfer from Southern Miss. You do have uh, Des Tell. You do have Malik Clark. But this is a kid who could come in and and be a starter from day one um, and be kind of your your center focal point of your defense. Louisville, I think, really needs to be to make this defense work in the ACC, which obviously we saw last year how good it can be. Like the, that's kind of the bar, right? We saw what what they need to do better. I think that they're going to have to find a, a, an extremely disruptive player in the middle. I think they've got to unlock the defensive line because it's just been kind of average the first two years. Not bad, right. not not great, but not not horrible. Just kind of floating in mediocrity. Uh, to be uh, to beat a Clemson, to beat a Florida State, to consistently stay at the top of the SEC or the, the ACC, excuse me, you got to have a, do- a a really good pass rush. I think Christian Miller is a four, three four year starter. Uh, and that would be really, really good for Scott Satterfield and Brian Brown. It absolutely would. Because like you mentioned earlier, you, at the end of the day, if you want to be a contender, not just in the ACC, but nationally, if you, if you truly want to, because I know Satterfield at some point said, either him or one of the players said that they want to be the next Clemson of the ACC. If, if, if you have those aspirations, if you want to make, make good on those aspirations, it starts in recruiting. And at some point you have to be consistently landing the big boys. Now they're starting to do that in this most recent class with getting guys like Trevor and Cooley, getting guys like Ben Perry. But if you take a class off and you have like a eh class, not a great class, but not a crap class, you're going to go nowhere and you're going to be consistently like an eight, nine win team with the occasional double digit win team. If you truly want to make that next step into the next potential national powerhouse, it starts on the recruiting trail and you got to nail it. These type of classes I mean, obviously, this isn't set in stone by any means that these guys aren't committed. There's nothing in the fold yet. But if you land a class of guys consistently like this, you know, four or five of these guys, you sprinkle in some really, really good three star players, you, you throw in a couple of diamonds in the rough. That's how Louisville football gets back. That's what their recruiting right. prowess has always been built on. Um, and it's really encouraging to see them. You know, in the years past, they've had classes where they've been at, up there for the Marcus Dumervilles, for the the Trevion Fords, for the for the Corey Kiners, for these really high level guys. And obviously, it didn't go well. They've been there before, but I I just feel like this year's a little different. It feels like they've got a legitimate chance 
to compete with the big boys for these really good kids and and walk away with a it's a small class but a class that's just full of really impactful players and yeah and, and it's not to say that you can't find that like you said diamonds in the roofs and some really good players who turn out to be great college players and maybe even professionals that were three stars and i know to the stars don't matter crowd on an individual level that can certainly be the case i mean case in point lamar jackson was three star and he's the best player in the little history, bar none, one of the best college football quarterbacks in history. Co- individually, sure, stars may not matter. Collectively, they absolutely matter. Because if, if Satterfield went out there and signed a class of nothing but three stars, Louisville football ain't going anywhere. I'm sorry. That's just, it's not going to happen. And like you said, you have to be in contention for some like high three stars. You have to be in contention more consistently with, you know, like occasional four stars, maybe some of those high end four stars, like a Corey Kiner, like a, like a Trayvon Ford, some of those guys, hell try, try and swing for the fences, maybe get like one or two, five stars. Now I'm not saying like, they have to be recruiting five stars because like, just as a reminder to people on any given class, there's like 35 star prospects and Alabama period. gets 19 of them. So yeah. you're, and, you're and the typical, 11, the, 11 typical kids. the typical factories like get these guys, your Alabama's, your Ohio state's, your LSU's, your USC's, your Florida's, your, it's unrealistic for fans to kind of set expectations. Like you got to recruit five star and four star talent. And only the top guys. It's, it's hard to do. <laughs> it's really, not only right. is it hard to do, there ain't a lot of them. <laughs> exactly. It's definitely a numbers game, but you're right. Every few years, you want to be able to see Louisville get involved with a five-star kid. Um, but what I think Louisville does need to kind of incorporate, and they did it a little bit this year with Brian Hudson and Luke McCaffrey, but Louisville should be a, a really attractive destination for five-star deflections who don't have any off-the-field issues. We see all the Hell, time. I mean, you can make the argument that Louisville's best player last year was the transfer. Right, he was, but he was more of the under-the-radar uh, you know, Liberty. I know he had SEC offers, but my point being is that say five-star Joe, Joe Blow leaves Florida because he can't compete for playing time in year one. And the next step may not be in Alabama. It may not be a Georgia. It may not be that, that premier SEC school, but it's just a little step down. Louisville should be able to compete for that caliber player. That's where I think Louisville can make impact in finding five-star kids, right? Not in the yeah. first go round. It's going to be really tough for them to outsell in Alabama, unless it's a kid who has a connection here, knows a coach, or just happens to fall in love with Louisville. It happens every and, once and, in a while. And that's why it's important for coaches to maintain relationships with prospects, even after they commit elsewhere. Because who's to say Corey Connor doesn't in, enter the transfer portal exactly, after right. year one at LSU. I mean, um, I, that's a great point. Um, and it's also really cool to see coach uh, coaches who have been who have been brought in in recruiting capacities, one of them being uh, and I'm really having a hard time with names today. But for some reason, it's the cookies you're eating. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, I know this good. is a podcast and you it's can't good. and you guys can't see good, this, man. but Jacob has been just absolutely destroying these cookies that his wife made him. And I, I can't fault him for that because, you know, they're, they're cookies. Yeah. What did, but, what did I, I had Bruce to say to you? You look like you haven't missed a meal. So, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he I haven't. Uh, I've definitely gained some COVID weight. That's for sure. <laughs> but anyways, point, point <laughs> being. The, the, the recruiting hires that they've made. Coach Cooper, is his first name David? I'm David, drawing yes. a blank here. David Cooper from Florida. Him being tweeted at by five-star kids in the class of 2023 is a big deal because that's what we're talking about. You build a relationship, and every couple of years you get lucky with one. You find one who fits. You find the peanut whitehead. You find the – I know he was he was from here, but Brian Brown, the Michael Bushes of the world. You find those guys, and you can get them every once in a while and then kind of sprinkle in the pieces in other places. So – 
we're going to put the, the, the big boards out for, for debate out on, on the, the social web. Um, you can find those at pink seats pod on Twitter. We'll, Matt and I will also put those out there and we'll, we'll, we'll just sprinkle Louisville Cardinals with our, with our recruiting set two cents that nobody asked for. <laughs> All right, let's move into the final part of the show here. We're under a hundred days though. So that's a win. Yeah, I think I we're at 94 or 95, somewhere around there. If you've been a Louisville football fan in the digital age, you you are much more in tune with football right around this time because of the the Cardinal Strong Card Chronicle number countdown. I got to give that a shout he out. He does I've been an reading amazing that. job. Amazing. I've been reading that for years. In fact, Matt, I'll tell you this. When I was in college, I used to – I'm a real big nerd, right? I've got Word documents with stats, with transfer new, like all this stuff. I'm a nerd. I'm a sports nerd. I can't get enough of it. I used to – the, as the the roster was released uh, in those rankings, I used to write out the roster on a notebook from those rankings on Card Chronicles. So that's how that's that's how I've always kind of gauged the offseason. Mm-hmm. It starts real fun with the skill players, then you get into that. But we're at the point right now where we can talk about the season. We can talk about roster. We can talk about depth chart. We're under 100 days. I think fans are slowly starting to get it, to be attentive to this. So I want to kind of get ahead of the game here take our first look at some of the offensive depth chart. I know uh, as a journalist, you've, you've written about this. I, I've not gotten there yet, uh, but I will as we get closer to the season. But let's, let's, let's kind of break down the way that we see this and just to kind of um, keep it uh, nugget-sized here and not an information overload, Matt. Let's just do quarterbacks and running backs today uh, because I think we can talk about both of these positions because of their importance to Scott Satterfield's offensive system for a long time. Uh, so, but let's, let's start here. Quarterback. We enter 2021 uh, for the second straight year, knowing the guy. I don't think there's any debate that Malik Cunningham is the starting quarterback. I believe Pete Thomas has said that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest of the entry kind of comes at what's behind here behind Cunningham. Right. So my, my depth chart, the way that I see this as of right now, Malik Cunningham is your starter. Correct. Evan Conley is your backup. Luke McCaffrey is your third string. And everything else behind that doesn't really matter. TJ Lewis is a guy who probably doesn't see the field. Tyler Larson, uh, Nathan McElroy, I don't see these guys touching the field this year unless there's just some kind of devastating injury bug. The walk-ons, we, we won't see them. So we'll kind of focus here with the, the top three guys. How do you see that playing out? Where do you see Pete and, and Scott Satterfield kind of ending in the three deep uh, quarterback room? I think he kind of hit the nail on the head with the first two guys. There, there's absolutely no debate on who's going to start the season. It's, it's going to be Malik Cunningham. Like, for some fans, like it or not, it, you, you take what you, you take the bad with the good, and it just we just kind of hope we don't see the bad. We kind of hope that we get 2019 uh, Cunningham instead of 2020 Cunningham. And even in 2020 Cunningham, he still had a solid amount of yards, a solid amount of touchdowns. He just had had trouble given the ball away he had 12 interceptions he had three uh lost fumbles i think he had five total fumbles altogether and two were happened to be recovered by louisville so and like i alluded to earlier even if louisville's uh turnover margin was just zero hell say cunningham loses one fumble and he throws eight interceptions and then on the flip side the defense actually catches a couple of those interceptions that just kind of fall out of their hands this is a different louisville team i think Yeah, I think everybody can get on board with that, except for the people who don't want to. Yeah, well, get on the train, right? As Charlie Strong would would say. But anyways, sir, um, that was that, sir. He didn't say that. That was Vance Bedford. Get it right. Charlie Strong didn't say anything about no no trains. He was a private jet guy. All I can remember is that he didn't like Call of Duty. But the, the first time he spoke, I went to his opening press conference, and he fell off the stage. 
Oh I always God, knew I there was going to be issues with him. <laughs> All right, anyways, continue. But anyways, but but like you like you like I said, uh, Evan Conley is going to be the backup. Now I, I'm curious to see how much actual playing time he gets. I nothing against Conley. I hope we we see a lot of him in this regard, knowing that Malik can guide this offense to put them in a position to where Conley gets garbage time. I but because if we see him a lot because Cunningham is having another having a continuation of 2020, then there's some early problems forming there. So I, I think in the middle ground where we don't see Connolly hardly at all, where Louisville is still in games, which you want to see competitive, obviously. But I, I, I think beyond Cunningham, there's not going to be a whole lot of storylines at quarterback unless something either really good happens or really awful happens. And so going what you, you look like you're about to yes i do before i forget this i'm going to say this because this is this i think this is a good point not to pat this i just gave myself a pat on the back before i even did it but i think that this may be a hot take this may be a bold prediction but i think we'll see luke mccaffrey more in 2021 than we will have in conley and it, it depends on what sort of offensive packages they bring to yes. because it's going to be offensive coordinator by committee correct but point being we're going to see a lot of luke mccaffrey but it just won't be a quarterback See, I'm I'm not ready to go to that point yet. And going to my continuation of the quarterback tip chart at third, I don't I don't I don't know who's going to be the third guy. I want to say it's going to be Luke McCaffrey because he's been he has way more college experience than TJ Lewis, obviously, who's a high school signee. But until we get to fall camp and we see how all these guys look, and a couple of weeks into fall camp and we hear how these guys are performing, who's to say TJ Lewis over the summer? all of a sudden gets a tons more accurate. Who's to say Luke McCaffrey doesn't do the same. Who's to, who's to say either of these guys don't completely fall off because I, I think we can agree that Luke McCaffrey has a very high ceiling, but a very low floor. It depends on what arc he goes be based on what we saw at Nebraska. Right. And, and that's and you, what we talked about. That's what we talked about with Aaron. And we said Aaron Sorensen back earlier this summer uh, from Hill varsity covers Nebraska. We talked about his, his future is all going to be dependent upon what role they see him in. Is he a Correct. quarterback or is he a wildcat? Is he an athlete? And the more, the reason why I say I think he's going to see the field more is if you read in between the lines last week with Gun with Gunnar Brewer, he talked about what they're going to do with different packages this year with Wirtz. And I think they brought him in because of his versatility. Matt, you don't get Luke McCaffrey and bring him here and him just sit here. He's too good. Like if you watch his film, the kid may be our second best running back and he's a quarterback. Like he's True. that good at another position. Um, and so not to say I, that I don't agree with your, your analysis that TJ Lewis could come in and be much better than what we saw as a high school quarterback. And the good news is he's going to have an off season, right? These guys right. last year didn't get that. Um, but I just think that it would be naive to think that Luke McCaffrey would, would not be the guy that they'd go to as the third, if they got to that point. And again, we're not the show that's debating third string quarterbacks here. I'm just saying, I think Luke McCaffrey yeah, is going to be on the depth chart as the third guy, but, but he's going to be playing other positions. But in case he does look good in, uh, in the fall, I don't think they're going to go throw him in there just, just because they got him in there. I mean, the only, the only organization I know that kind of throws quarterbacks in there just because they got him were the Chicago bears. <laughs> that's true. Very true. That's a just, great just, reference. Great joke. I just wanted to make that joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know how many Bears fans listen to this podcast, so you might have just made that joke to nobody, but I thought it was good. I thought it was a good one. You're welcome for that. Okay. All right. So let's let's look at, um, uh, at running back real quick. The last thing on that I want to say is, um, and we've both talked about this on the show. We've both written about this. 
Um, there's a lot of, not, I don't want to say criticism, but there's been a lot of discussion. Maybe it's just self-created here, but we're all really curious about what the future at quarterback is in 2022, because this Malik couldn't play one more season after this, I believe if I've been told that that's correct, but uh, I don't see that happening. I, I, from what I understand, Malik got it. There's with the new, the new year, Malik now has two, two years left on yes, his two. Cause he's still, te- he's still technically considered a redshirt junior. Redshirt junior. Right. So he's I don't, a second year redshirt junior. If you want to get technical, whatever. So this is why we have the journalists <laughs> on the show to bring out the official news of what they're called when they've been here for seven years. But point being is I think that we all agree. There's not really a consensus at who is the next quarterback. So I think that what happens with Evan McCon- with Evan McConley, with Evan Conley and Luke McCaffrey this year is going to be very interesting. Those cookies are getting to you. They are. That's a good combination of the two. Evan McConley, like, come on, that's great. That's Sounds great. like he's got like a porn sash just slinging it over <laughs> the mountains. All right, let's move into the running back position here. Um, this is rare where things kind of get a little bit interesting. Uh, if you've paid attention to this show during the offseason and if you've been kind of even loosely following Scott Satterfield, you know that he loves Jalen Mitchell. I think that he has got a, 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 a man crush on Jalen Mitchell. He's excited about what say he, that. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that. That'd be an understatement, actually, I think. Um, so the reason why the depth chart this year is really interesting is you are without Javian Hawkins, who has been the guy the last um, couple of years, easily the guy. Last, last yep. season – Finished with lesser numbers, that's just because he didn't play as much. Um, but then you've had Hassan Hall, who was by all means the the guy before Javian Hawkins was the guy. Uh, he was the guy before the guy. Never got the chance to be the guy. Now he's got the chance to be the guy again. But then there's another guy. But then there's another could guy. Be a guy. Right. So that's where we are in this whole running back conundrum. He's and been out guide. He'd been he's been out guide potentially twice now. Um, and he's, been but he's, tipped. he's still <laughs> and he's not gotten hurt. Right. He's still here though. He's still got a chance to uh, get a lot of carries. He brings experience to the to the backfield. He's been a playmaker, kick returner, a lot of versatility there. Um, but you bring back a couple of other guys in uh, Aiden Robbins and Maurice Berkeley, who will both you know compete for snaps, and then you bring in your favorite football player in the class of 2021 <laughs> and the guy that you just are so smitten to see. Uh, in I can't wait. Cooley. And so the depth chart conversation becomes a little bit more interesting for Louisville at running back. Now I both think that we can agree. Jalen Mitchell is the starter. Yeah. I, 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 I or well, Scott Satterfield is playing the biggest uh, poker face, uh, you know, the, the quiet hand possible. He's hyping up the wrong guy to get the other guy kind of under the radar nobody knows i don't think that's the case here yeah, well, considering how much he's talked about just pure muscle growth the last few times we've spoken to him i'd be shocked if it wasn't jalen mitchell now just based off of muscle growth you think that that's that do you think that's what satterfield's going to make his final decision on muscle growth? I, I don't think it's going to be the final decision made on that obviously but just every time they bring up strength and conditioning or they bring up uh, the running back room, one of the first things that's next out of Satterfield's mouth is like, oh, my God, have you seen Jalen Mitchell? Dude's huge. So here's here's what the homework for you then. I'm going to need you for the next couple of months, anytime a running back is available, to ask how the muscle growth is going. I just need to know. If that's the basis of how Satterfield's making his decision at running back, you need to give the people what they're asking for. It's like and Patino that's the and the body fat percentage. Right, exactly. You need to become – that needs to be your shtick, your brand. You need to get body fat percentages, muscle growth, the true measurables that everybody wants that's to know. That's Satterfield's shtick, not mine. <laughs> I think you could get that. I, I think that he's the kind of guy that's jolly about talking about football, that kind of football data. Like, like just so happy and giddy. Oh, man, yeah, these guys are out here lifting, working hard. Their muscle growth, 
you know, like that's the kind of Satterfield jolliness that we need this summer. And I think you need to bring that to people. Uh, point being, okay. Jalen Mitchell is the guy. What happens after that? How do you see it playing out? I, I think you've got to go with Hassan Hall just because he's been there the longest. I and mean, we thought he was going, like you said, we thought he was going to be the guy heading into 2019 until Javion Hawkins kind of came out of nowhere. And then it seems like he's been just battling injury after injury. And I feel bad for the guy because he's got the potential. We know what he can do. It just seems like he's either been snake bitten with injuries or just he's been buried on the jet chart to do how, not how he's uh, performing, but how other people are performing. And, and he's, like we've said, it's kind of happening again because Jalen Mitchell had a really great end of the season. And be, uh, beyond that, I still I think Maurice Berkeley, and you know how much I like Berkeley because when we saw Berkeley start those couple games after uh, Hawkins opted out of the season, he looked fantastic. I absolutely loved his physical brand of football, just smash mouth, run through you, and still had a solid amount of speed to boot. And then he ended up getting hurt. And then that's when we saw what Jalen Mitchell could be and what he could be for the next season specifically and all the flashes of potentials and what have you. And beyond that, I think you're going to go with Travion Coolidge purely because he's a freshman, but I still think he's going to see some time on the field just because it's going to be running back by committee unless someone just ha- takes an absolute stranglehold on the starter position and runs away with it. And then I, I, I don't think we see Aiden Robbins at all, except for like in the game against the FCS opponents or like pure garbage time, just right. nothing against him, but there's other, there's, there's too many other uh, players in the room that, that could get these snaps. All right, let me let me bring up two things here. One, I agree with you. I think whether it's and I agree with you, but I also can't necessarily say that what you're saying is 100% certain. I agree in theory that a running this running back room is a little crowded that somebody is going to be out. Uh, I'm not trying to speak this into existence and I actually I hope this doesn't happen, but I would not be surpri- surprised if Maurice Berkeley comes back healthy. Trevion Cooley is as good as he is. I would not be shocked if Hassan Hall decided that there's no room for him to play at Louisville anymore and that he needs to go elsewhere. Again, I hope that doesn't happen. I'm not, I've not heard anything. I'm not speaking rumors here. I'm just saying (laughs) it wouldn't be surprising. And the other reason why I say that is because I think there's a guy that we didn't mention who the coaching staff has talked about this offseason. And it you you kind of have to dig into the the nitty-gritty of press conference season. And you'll know this. I know where you're going you, with you this. You know this. Yeah, you know this. But they've talked about a walk-on freshman a lot. For a, for a walk-on freshman to be talked about this, this much, much this early makes you wonder if there's not some some interesting moves being made to get playing time for this fella. Gregory DeRossiers? DeRossiers. DeRossiers. All right. Belmont, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. I remember hearing about him committing to Louisville, and uh, the reason I heard about him was because of his speed, right? He was a guy that I think owned some track records or some football records up there, had offers and had the potential to go to other places, but chose to come to Louisville as a walk-on. We've seen Berkeley. I know he was on the past staff. We've seen Ford here at Louisville. We've seen Robbie Bell. We've seen, uh, I'm trying to think of all the walk-ons who have, uh, Jack Fago. We've seen walk-ons get opportunities. The kicker, James Turner. Right. So for this kid to be getting his name kind of mentioned that early just makes me wonder if maybe he's another guy that we have to consider. And then you're really talking about a crowded room. And that's why I would not be shocked if it's Aiden Robbins or Hassan Hall, somebody decides that there's not enough snaps to go around. And the, the interesting narrative on the, the depth chart, um, and let me back up. I agree with you. I think it's going to be Hassan Hall. 
And then I think it's going to be a combination of situation after that, whether it's a goal line situation where you get Berkeley in, whether you're looking for some kind of, um, you know, just, I think in blowouts and in, um, I, I, with, or, with, swing, or even swing passes, right. With Cooley. I just think that it's going to be situational with him as a freshman early on right. just because of the blocking and just kind of things like that. The good thing is though, is we've heard people say that Louisville scheme is easy to learn. I think Gunnar Brewer even said that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of encouraging with young guys and he's been here from the spring, but I just, I think that, um, that the two guys that are going to get carries will be Mitchell and Hall and everything else will be circumstantial, but who's to say if Berkeley isn't healthy, if it's Cooley, maybe it's um, the, the fellow out of, of Massachusetts, whose last name I'm not even going to try again, but who says that somebody else doesn't get enough snaps to, to kind of push, push their way up the depth chart. You know, I, that's going to be kind of interesting to see here. And is it running back by committee? Do we see more kind of, uh, spread out numbers here this year, Matt, in your opinion, or do you think this is a, a true workhorse kind of year, uh, kind of Jalen Mitchell stepping right into those carries left behind by Hawkins? I, I think until we someone takes a hold of like the go-to guy, I think we're just going to see snaps relatively spread out. I still think Mitchell's going to get the probably the most, but Hall is going to get his fair share. Uh, Berkeley's going to get his fair share. Cooley's going to get his fair share. But I, I, I think Jalen Mitchell is going to, quote unquote, be the go to guy, but not the go to guy. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And here's some interesting stats for you. I came prepared today with some stats. All right. Um, and, and I'm hoping these are right. So these are all me adding things up. So I'm going to throw that out there, a grain of salt. But I went back and I tallied the carries, yards, and touchdowns of the running backs, running backs only for the last two years. Right. So this is not Malik Cunningham, not Evan Conley. Um, not anybody that doesn't have the running back designation in to- in totality, they've carried the ball 657 times with their running backs. Okay. In 2019 and 2020, they've, they've totaled a little bit North of 300, uh, 3,650 yards. They have 26 touchdowns. JV and Hawkins had 397 of those carries. Okay. And he didn't even play two full seasons. 397 total carries in his two seasons as the starting running back. That's more than half of the, the production uh, or the, the numbers of carries. Right. So then that's right. that the rest of that is divvied out between hall, Mitchell, Berkeley, and Robbins. And as you go down the totem pole, hall is the next closest with 162. Mitchell has 52 carries Berkeley 41 Robbins at five. So I don't see a tendency yet for anything other than a workhorse back. Now, we don't know what Satterfield will do when he has more guys. At at App State, I wrote about this a few years ago, for five straight years, Satterfield had a thousand uh, a 1500 yard rusher and at least another guy with 700 yards. So, you're at App State, you're talking about two backs near near either eclipsing or at the 1000 yard line per year. We haven't even seen that come close yet at Louisville. So, it just makes you wonder, I think, the storyline, what I'm getting at here uh, in long-winded way of saying is, will it be a running back by committee type of year, or will it be Jalen Mitchell and the boys? It, it, like I said, it, it, I think it's going to go back to his App State days where it's going to be what, where one guy gets most of them, but then another guy kind of falls. And like, like you said, it's, it's all situational. Like, say one guy gets a big chunk, and then you put in another guy for short yardage situation or third down situations, or then you insert another guy to keep the other two guys' legs fresh. 
But and what but, you don't want to become, sorry to cut you off here, but what I remember a lot about Bobby Petrino is people bitching about the rotation of running backs. Reggie Bonifon got two carries, then came in Malik Malik Williams, and then came in Jeremy Smith. And then you had Tobias Little. Like, remember how Bobby used to over-rotate running that's backs? That's true, yeah. That's one thing you don't want to do is have such a revolving door that a guy can't get consistent carries. Not to yeah. say that that's where you were going with that, but I'm just pointing that out. Over-rotating running backs can also can also be an issue. No, you know, you're right. And I, I hope it doesn't be the case, but I've based it's, it's a thin room, but then it's not because all these guys seem to have equal capability, but they bring something different. If that and makes sense. It's, it's very thin at the tippy top, right. In terms yes. of who is the guy, it's very thin in terms of proven production. This guy has been the guy we, we it's, it's a lot like that kind of all over the place with Louisville this year, especially on offense, but this year, there's not the guy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, there, there's, like, confusion as to who's going to be the guy. But once you come to the conclusion as to who's going to be the guy, there's not a lot behind him. I think right. that's that's the best way to sum up the running backs room because it's still a thin room. There's only, what, five scholarship guys in there, if that? I believe, uh, I believe you'd have – yeah, five. Yeah, five. Five scholarship guys. Yeah, which you can only play one – I mean, well, I do, theoretically, you can play two running backs at the same time. But typically, you only see one running back on the field at a time. So five guys competing for um, – if you just do the basic math here on what they've, what they've carried the ball and how many um, carries per game that they do. So there's been, what, over two seasons? There was – they played 10 games last year, Right. Yeah, I'm not even get there. Point being, the carries are are if you're not the guy, if you're not the number one guy, the carries have been sparse. This year, there's five guys who could get like they're going to divvy that up much more differently. I think is what we're saying here, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, all right. Well, I I tend to think to kind of summarize this episode, Matt. I tend to think that um, one, we're getting ready to start hearing a lot more little football news, so that means that we get to be more active. I'm really excited about that. Um, two, I think that Louisville has the potential for this to be a really big recruiting month, but I think there's also the potential for fans to become very disappointed if none of these kids commit to Louisville. Would you, I, would you agree with that? No, I, I would agree with that. That's, I, what, but considering, uh, the amount of, uh, recruiting hires they've made to bolster the department, I'm a little bit more hopeful than not. So, but it, like I said, they still have to actually execute. Exactly. That's going to be a big part of the next couple of weeks of what the execution looks like. Uh, and then finally, I think that the the offense, as we kind of slowly start to look at the depth chart, what we're going to uncover is there's experience in really key places, but there are some big question marks in a lot of other spots. Mm-hmm. And I think this year it's going to be a lot of, yeah, we know these certainties, but the season is going to hinge on this, this, and this, and this uncertainty. You're going to hear um, the, the phrase uncertain depth or unproven depth a lot. Yeah, but overall, there are so many more players who could see the field this year. It's the weirdest description of a season. I don't even know if I could accurately describe what this season is going to look like, but Louisville is in good hands. The offense, at least at the quarterback and running back position, I feel pretty comfortable there. Do you? No, I, I would feel I'd feel a lot, a lot more comfortable if on the recruiting trail they could get a, a more better key on a quarter quarterbacks, but they, they did lend a solid one in Khalid Johnson, someone I'm particularly pretty high on. And then depending on what you think about Luke McCaffrey is kind of how you feel about the quarterback position as a whole. So that's going to do it for us here. As always, thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and tell everybody that is in ears 
uh, distance to you about from the Pink Seats podcast. Be sure to, to be paying attention to our socials. We talked about at the beginning of the show, Matt. We've got a couple of really cool episodes coming up, some ACC theme shows. We've got the Louisville Sports Live crew coming on to talk football. Uh, hopefully, um, that, that's going to be a great time. And then we've got the giveaway. We've got the new artwork coming, a lot of moving parts here. And most importantly, Matt, football is coming up not too far away. Um, it better get here soon because uh, while I like while I like watching all those Cardinal countdown pieces, that I have to pinch myself and and say that's still ninety some days away. It's going to be a slow crawl, my friend. Boys, like I said, be sure to to give us a rating and review on the podcast wherever you get those from. Follow us on social media and stay tuned because we've got a great summer ahead. Uh, we'll be back to talk to you guys soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.